This morning I plan to preach another topical sermon, and in that sermon to address a question that perhaps every question asks, and that question is, what does God want me to do? Or perhaps more specifically, how can I know what God wants me to do? Have you been there? Uh, maybe you find yourself there at this moment. And if so, take courage. You're at a good place. It's a good place to be. This was one of the first questions asked by the Apostle Paul at his conversion. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? It's a question that was, I believe, burning on his heart. And furthermore, I think it is one of the most important and significant questions that you can ask, not only at your conversion, but throughout your Christian life. I think it's a question we can ask ourselves daily. In fact, many times throughout the day. It should be our continual desire. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, told them, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And if we are going to be found faithful in what God is asking us to do, it's important to know what is, it, what is expected of us. We need to know what it is that God wants us to do. So the title of the message this morning is Discerning God's Will for My Life, Part 1. This will be a two-part message, Lord willing. And we'll be looking at the uh, first part today and then the second part uh, later on. First part of the message... I'm calling tuning in to God. Now, I don't know a lot about electronics and how they work, but I do know that when you want to send an electronic message, there needs to be a transmitter and there needs to be a receiver. And the transmitter is designed to send a message and the receiver, of course, is designed to receive those messages. Now, sometimes when you're driving down the road, you may see some large transmission towers designed to transmit messages. They transmit radio signals. And those towers are there, many of them, transmitting messages 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a week. They're doing their part, yet as you drive by those towers, you may have absolutely no idea what is being transmitted by those powers, by those towers at that time. What kind of music or what kind of news or what kind of political perspectives or what kind of propaganda or what kind of advertisements, commentary? You have no idea. Why not? Because you're not tuned in. You're not tuned in to the signals that are being transmitted. You are surrounded by signals every day. They're penetrating the very space in which you live. In fact, there are countless signals passing through this building at this very moment. We don't know what all those signals are. We're out of touch with them. For the most part, we're not even aware of them. We don't think of them, but those signals are there. And in order to obtain and receive those signals, you need to have a receiver, something that is designed to pick up those 
signals. That receiver needs to be, number one, in working order. It needs to, to work. And number two, that receiver needs to be tuned in to a particular signal that is coming. If we do not receive the signals passing through this room at this moment, it is not the fault of the transmitter. It's simply because we don't have a receiver. The transmitter is doing its job very well. Now, I'm guessing you're already beginning to see some analogy there. God is our transmitter. And he is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and he is doing his part. The question is, are we receiving what he is sending? Sometimes we fail to get the message, and it's not because he is failing to transmit a message or in any way. So in that case, we need to take a look at ourselves. Are we, as receivers, in proper working order? And are we, as receivers, tuned in to the signals that are being sent our way? So in order to receive the signals God is sending our way, we need to be in working order and we need to be tuned in. Just how can we tune in to the messages that God is sending our way? And I'd like to give you four, four ways, four points on tuning in to God and the signals he is sending. I have four points I'm planning to project here. I don't have a lot that I'll be projecting, and I know sometimes when we project, if you're taking notes, you may tend to jot down only what's projected. Um, that's fine, but you may certainly include more than what I'm projecting as well. So how can we tune in to what God is sending our way? First of all, we need to spend time with God, and that is a very basic point. Very basic. Spend time with God. If we want to hear what God has to say to us, we need to spend time with him. And if you write that in your notes, you may underline the word need, you may circle it, you may do whatever you want to highlight it, because the more time you spend with someone, the better you get to know that person. And the better you get to know a person, the, the better you understand how they think and what that person desires and even what that person expects of you. Now, I happen to know some, some young people who seem to very much enjoy spending time together. And it seems like they think they can't get too much time together. And why is that? because they are, are tuning in to each other, and they, they want to discern the signals that are being sent. And that discernment takes time. That is no less true in our relationship with God. If we want to receive and if we want to discern what he is sending our way, it takes time with him. We tend to be very impatient people. It's part of our culture. It's part of our personality. If it takes five seconds to download something, that's too long. Why is it so slow? We want it in less time than that. 
We tend to be impatient. And we, perhaps I should say I, tend to be the same way in my relationship with God. We read a three-minute devotional and spend five minutes in prayer, run off to our busy schedules, and expect to be fully informed in His will in our lives. And it just doesn't work that way. Tuning in to what God has to say for our lives simply takes time. And that is a basic thing. If we want to know what God has to say for our lives, we need to spend time with Him. And the more time, the better. This is so basic. It is also so biblical. The Bible, over and over again, teaches and, and presents this idea of spending time with him. In John 15, Jesus, this is part of his farewell address to his disciples as he was uh, time leading up to, to his crucifixion. He tells them, He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. That principle of abiding, that means spending time. Spending time with God. Abiding in Christ. And I was reading that passage this week. And I was just challenged by that thing of, of abiding with Christ. Focusing on him. There's more verses. Luke chapter 10, 41 and 42. This is the account of, of Mary and Martha when... Martha was um, engaged in, in serving God, serving Jesus, something that we all want to be engaged in, serving Jesus. And in her service, she was feeling frustration. And sometimes we as well may feel frustration in our service, and she expressed that frustration to Jesus. And Jesus had a response to her. He said, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, and that is time, time with God. If you're frustrated, maybe we just need to slow down, like Glenn said, and watch it snow, and absorb that time as communion with God. I think there is one thing Jesus told Mary or told Martha, one thing is needful, referring to Mary. And I think that one thing, perhaps more than anything else, is what's necessary and learned to discern the will of God, spending time with him. Another verse, Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. The psalmist speaking here, uh, presenting God's God's uh, words to him. You see, God's desire is that we live close enough to him that we can maintain that eye contact. You don't have eye contact with someone if you're not spending time with them. This means a daily, intimate, close-range relationship. Jesus says, or God says here, I want to guide you with my eye. I want to have that contact, that time with God. When you pray... Do you look into God's eye? Or are you so busy bombarding him with your desires and petitions that you're not even looking at his face? Sometimes when I, I pray, I, I find it meaningful to just picture Jesus 
right there beside me, kneeling beside me, sitting beside me, whatever the case may be, and talk to him as though we're talking to someone face to face. And just ask him, you know, what do you have to say to me as we spend this time together? I may ask him questions and think how he would respond to me. And sometimes I even ask him, what would you like for us to talk about during this time together? You see, it's that communion that's time together with God. That is the one thing that God desires of us. Another verse in Psalm 73, verses 16 and 17, testimony of the psalmist here, in his frustrations in life, as he was seeking God, discerning his will, he said it was just too overwhelming. I tried to understand this life, this world, how things are working out. He says, when I tried to understand these things, it was too difficult for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood. You see, he needed that time alone with God. And when he had that time with God, things began to make sense. He began to make sense of life. Jesus, without question, the greatest man in the New Testament, spent 40 days alone with God in the wilderness. Moses, perhaps the greatest man in the Old Testament, also spent 40 days alone with God on the mountain. You see, he was spending time with God. And I think these experiences gave both of these men a sense of direction for what was ahead and a sense of the will of God that was experienced by few others. I think Moses understood God's will in a way that no one else in his time did. In fact, in Psalm 103, it says that God made known his ways onto Moses and his acts onto the children of Israel. See, the children of Israel saw what God did, but only Moses understood God's ways because of that time with him. Wouldn't you just love to understand the ways of God not only to see what he does, but to understand his ways and what he is doing, it does not come through a casual blessing. It comes through intense, prolonged time with him. So spending time alone with God, it's so basic, it's so biblical, and it is such a blessing, a tremendous blessing. I don't know, and especially when I'm bogged down with life, I don't know if there is anything that I find more refreshing than just getting away alone with God for a day or maybe a half a day if you just can't spare a day. Spend time alone with God in prayer and meditation. Give me a Bible and a notebook, which nowadays is more likely referred to as a laptop, a quiet space, and some time alone with God, and I can come away feeling more informed or more in tune than I have been for a long time. I have a, a tiny little booklet. It's just a small booklet. I think it has 20-some pages that I acquired probably more than 40 years ago. And that booklet is called How to Spend a Day in Prayer. And I remember at that point I was serving in VS, and we as VSers 
were actually given into our schedule days or at least half days in which we were just encouraged to get alone and spend time with God. And I remember at the beginning, that was pretty overwhelming. How, how in the world do I spend a day in prayer? I, I struggle spending 15 minutes in prayer sometimes or 10 minutes. How do I spend a day in prayer? But that book was just very practical and just gave pointers. And it, it's not just, you know, on your knees for 12 hours straight, but it's just that communion and that time with God. And yeah, it was maybe overwhelming at first, but it was something that, that grows on you. And I could take you to a number of spots that to me are almost sacred because of locations where I spent time alone with God, times that were such a blessing. So these times, they're, they're not just events. It should be a lifestyle, not just occasional, but regular, spending that time with God. So how do I discern God's will for my life? I, I need to tune in to God. How do I tune in to God? Number one, just simply spending time with him. The more time you spend with him, the better you get to know him and the better you understand him. Well, let's go to second way, tuning in. Sometimes you need to tune out distractions. There are many signals that bombard us from every direction. And in order to zero in on what we need to hear or what we want to hear, we need to make special effort to tune out the things that will distract us. And if you want to hear God's voice speaking to you and revealing to you his will, there may be some things that you need to turn away from, that you need to tune out. In the beginning of the book of Exodus, God had a specific will, a specific plan, a specific purpose that he wanted to reveal to Moses. And I think this was before the verse I referred to early where God made known his ways unto Moses. This would have been at the beginning of that time. And God wanted to reveal to Moses his will for the future. But Moses was occupied with what he was doing. He was busy taking care of sheep. And he may have been standing out there in the wilderness one day, and I don't know what may have been going through his mind. He may have been thinking about where he was going to find enough grass for his sheep tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month. He may have been planning his schedule. He may have been thinking about the genetics of his flock and how he can improve the genetics. There may have been all, all kinds of things going through his mind. But God needed to get his attention. And you know how he did that, by this bush that was burning and not consumed. Moses saw that bush, and what did he say? I will now turn aside and see. I'm going to leave my sheep behind. I'm going to leave their genetics behind. I'm going to leave their diets behind. And I'm going to see what God has. And sometimes that's just simply what we need to do. You see, that burning bush was not the message. There was not a message, particularly in the fact that this bush was on fire and not burning. It was simply something that God used to get Moses' attention to draw him away from what was captivating his attention 
to get his attention so that he was ready to hear what God had to say. It was to stop him from what he was doing. And when God had Moses' attention, then he could speak. So sometimes we need to simply stop and listen. You've probably been in situations already where you were trying to converse with someone on your cell phone and you had a fuzzy signal and it was kind of blinking in and out, in and out. you could hear, you couldn't hear. And maybe you found a spot where your signal was just a little bit stronger. And so you stopped and you stayed on that spot until you finished your conversation. You just stopped. Wherever you were going, you stopped and listened. And sometimes in life, that's what we need to do so that we do not miss the message. Now, I don't need to tell you that we live in a busy culture. I don't need to tell you that there's many things vying for our attention. And I would venture to guess that since the beginning of this sermon, many of you have already thought about something you've been doing yesterday or this past week or something you hope to do today or this week. They're, they're right around us. They're clamoring for our attention. But we need to zero in. Some of these things we need to think about. They may be good things, but sometimes they drown out the voice of God. And when that's the case, we need to tune them out. Now, I'm not going to suggest to you what it is that may be distracting you. Because I think you know, and I don't want to distract you with something that might be wrong. So I'll let you think about what is distracting you. Are you willing to block it out? Are you willing to turn aside from that and stop and listen to what God has for you? You need to be intentional. These other signals come through loud and clear. We need to be intentional. So how do we tune into God to hear what he has to say specifically to me for my life. We need to spend time with him. We need to tune out the distractions. And it doesn't get any easier. We need to wait on the Lord. Who likes to wait? Probably none of us. This can be one of the hardest things to do. You see, waiting puts things out of our control, and we don't like that. When I am waiting, I'm at the mercy of someone else. I'm at the mercy of their schedule. I'm at the mercy of circumstances, and I don't like to be at the mercy of other people. I like to be in control, but God has many promises for those who wait. Sometimes God may want to see just how serious we are and if we are really willing to wait. The Bible has verses, again, about waiting on the Lord. Now, just read a few of them here. Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Isaiah 26, 8. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. Lamentations 3, 25 and 26. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. 
to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Do you believe that? Do you believe it's good to wait? It's hard to believe that sometimes, but it is good that a man should hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. And of course, Isaiah 40, 31, the favorite verse of many, but they that wait upon the Lord are willing to submit to his timing. In his time shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now I'll give you some examples from the Bible on this as well. The example of Moses, referred to him earlier. Approximately 40 years before he saw that bush burning in the wilderness, he was running, and he ran ahead of God. You see, Moses had a mission that he wanted to accomplish. He had a plan that he wanted to fulfill, and he felt perhaps a calling for his life, and he didn't want to wait. There's something to do now. I'm going to do it. And he failed miserably. And it wasn't until 40 years later that the time was right and God was ready to lead Moses forward in the vision of his younger years. Or we could think of Abraham. Abraham also had a vision. He had a vision of posterity. And that required that he have a son. And it wasn't only Abraham's vision, it was God's vision. God himself promised Abraham, you shall have a son. So Abraham knew that this was God's thing. But he just did not know what God's timing was. Or perhaps he was not willing to wait on God's timing. And he ran ahead and pursued his own options. And the world has been dealing with the consequences of that decision ever since. What if Abraham had waited? What would our world look like today? It would obviously be different. Well, there's another example, and this I'm presenting as a positive example, and that's the example of Adam. Now, I've told you before, sometimes I like to imagine what the settings described in the Bible may have actually been like. So when Adam was created, he was in the Garden of Eden, and when he looked around at the world God created, do you think he could help but to notice how alone he was? When God brought all the animals to him to name them, how could he help but to notice they all came in multiples? Two of this, two of that, and yet here he was alone. And we see no record of Adam frantically running around through the Garden of, Israel, Garden of Eden, looking behind all the bushes, just looking for someone, desperately looking for another human being. But what did he do? He waited. And in fact, he went to sleep to show how calm he was in his waiting. He rested in God's plan and God's purpose. And as he rested in the will of God, God did a wonderful work. God created something, I'm sure, much better than Adam 
ever imagined. Much more beautiful, much more wonderful. But God did not do his work until Adam was willing to say, okay, God, I give up. I'll just lie down. I'll let it in your hands. You do what you want to do when you want to do it. And when you're ready, here I am. Whatever you do is fine with me. And only then did God really, did God do what he really wanted to do. Sometimes we just need to step back and get out of the way and wait for God to do his work. And I think Adam would agree with Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. So I think a vital part of tuning into God and receiving his message is simply being willing to wait on God's time. Is that easy? No. It's not always easy. Well, let's move on to the fourth thing of tuning into God. And it still doesn't get any easier. And that is surrendering my will to God. I used the analogy of a transmitter and a receiver. You see, a radio receiver is not designed to formulate its own message. It does not contain some source of artificial intelligence that can come up with whatever it wants to on its own. That receiver is simply designed to receive whatever the transmitter sends and interpret that into an accurate message. In a sense, we could say that receiver needs to surrender any will it has to that of the transmitter. And I think that's what Adam did when he went to sleep. Yes, he was waiting on God, but even more than that, he was surrendering himself to God. Because as he went to sleep, surrendering himself to God, God could do anything to him he wanted. And Adam did not voice a single objection to what God was doing in his life. Adam allowed God to lay him wide open and to remove from him what lay nearest to his heart. And he had no objections whatsoever. It was only in Adam's total surrender that God accomplished what we need to do. And sometimes we need to come to that point of total surrender. I think I, I've shared the account with you here before, but it, uh, I think it illustrates this point uh, quite well. Years ago in my youth, I was serving in VS, and I had served a year or I had committed a year, and I had came to the point where I had committed to serve a second year within the VS unit. And the administration came to me and they said, so we have needs in two different places. You can continue to serve here where you have been serving the first year, or we have a need at another location six or seven miles, or six or seven hours north of here. So we'll leave it up to you. Where do you want to serve? So, of course, what do you do? You have a decision before you. You come to God and you pray, God, what do you want me to do? And I prayed that prayer, and I continued to pray that prayer, and it seemed like I received absolutely no indication whatsoever from God. And it's like, well, God, why don't you tell me? Why don't you tell me 
what do you want me to do? Should I continue serving here? Should I go to this uh, other location to the north? And finally, one day, I, I really sensed that God was speaking, and he said, Nate, said, you're going about this all wrong. You are asking me what I want you to do so that you can decide if you want to do it or not. And that's not how I work. When I know that you will do it, that's when I will tell you. So you have to commit to doing my will if you want me to tell you what my will is. And that was a difficult moment for me. It was like, but, but you want me to commit without knowing? I mean, you could send me anywhere. You could ask anything. God said, yeah, that's right. Are you willing to commit? I don't show you what my will is just for you to decide if you're going to do it or not. When you're committed. I struggled with that. You see, I, I thought I wanted to do God's will. But the more I thought about that, the more I realized that, you know, I really do have a preference. I, I know where I want to be and I know where I want to do and I just want to know if what God wants me to do is the same thing. But finally, I got to the point where I said, okay, God, I'm willing. If it's here, I'm willing to stay. If it's there, I'm willing to go. Whatever it is, I'm willing. And it was instant. It's not always instant, but in that case, it was. I knew what God wanted me to do. And it so happened it was not exactly what I had wished to do. But as I followed God's will... It was a tremendous blessing. So if you want to receive God's signals, if you want to hear what he has to say for your life, you need to surrender to him. Don't be selective. Be surrendered. You see, sometimes we have this anything but mentality. That's not so bad, is it? I mean, I'll do anything. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just making one reservation here. There's just one thing I don't want to do. Anything else is fine. That can't be so bad, can it? I mean, we can say, Lord, yeah, you want me to serve in missions? Fine. I'll go anywhere you want me to go as long as it's not some tropics that's full of snakes and spiders. Or... I'll go anywhere as long as it's not some polar region where it's winter half the year and half the day is dark. Or I'll go anywhere where you want me to go except into a city where you can hardly find a blade of grass. You might know what your exception is. Is that okay? Well, I think there's some other people that did that. I can imagine Jonah saying that. Yeah, Lord, you want me to be a prophet? Sure, I'll be a prophet. Anywhere but Nineveh. You want me to teach your message, preach your message? I'll preach your message. Anywhere but Nineveh. What if Jesus had said that? Father God, I come to the earth as your son to do your will, and I'm willing to go anywhere except to the cross. Would that have been okay? Just one exception? Anywhere? But the cross? You think it's a struggle? It was a struggle for Jesus. He struggled with that. But his prayer 
was anywhere. Not my will, God. Yours be done. Anywhere. If it's a cross, I'll go. Your will be done. And today, I think God is calling each one of us to our personal Gethsemane. Do you want to hear God's voice? It comes to this moment of surrender where we say, whatever it is, God, I'll go. Not my will, but thine be done. Whatever it is, God, that you ask me to do, if you show me, and when you show me, I'm yours, and I'm committed to doing it. I know that's hard, because we don't like to give up control. We like to maintain control. God, tell me what you want, but give me the option of making the final decision. God wants us to sign over to him as our power of attorney. When you have a power of attorney, that person can do anything. They can sell your house. They can close your bank accounts. We need to allow God to be that person for us. Is God worthy of your trust? Are you willing to trust him with your life? Are you willing to sign the document? Say, God, it's in your hands. We sing songs. Sometimes I wonder, do we mean the words we sing? Do we think about the words we sing? Do you realize what you sang just a few minutes before the sermon began? Was it true? I'll tell you what you sang. You sang, fully surrendered, Lord divine, I will be true to thee. All that I am or have is thine. I will be true to thee. Though it may cost me friends and home, cause me in lands afar to roam, I will go with thee all the way. All of thy bidding will obey. I will be true to thee, Lord. I will be true to thee. Where thou leadest me, I will follow thee. I will be true to thee. And I really think if you sing that song, and you mean that song, God will reveal to you and make it clear what he wants you to do each step of the way. There's another little song that I remember from years ago. haven't heard it for a while. Whenever this song goes through my mind, it makes me cringe. A little coarse. It says, I'm yours, Lord. Everything I've got, everything I am, everything I'm not. I'm yours, Lord. And then it comes to the line that I really don't like. Try me now and see. See if I can be completely yours. It's like giving God a dare. Just, just go ahead, God, try me. See if I can be com committed fully to you. Are we willing to say that? That's a serious statement. 
this thing of surrendering to God, tuning into him to hear his voice. I'd like you to open your Bibles to Psalm 37. This thing of tuning into God is not a one-time event. Yes, it is an event. It is a point we need to come to. But it may be a process, and it may be gradual, and it may be a step-by-step commitment. It may need to be done repeatedly. And the psalmist, I think it was David here in Psalm 37, was expressing himself to the Lord. In verse 3, was he speaking this to someone else? I kind of have the feeling he was speaking to himself here. I think he's telling himself, trust in the Lord. Okay, so I get to the point where I trust in God. Then it's verse 4, delight in the Lord. Okay, so I get to the point where I delight. Then we come to verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord. You, you just see it, it goes from one right to another. It's a process. And maybe these words are all kind of different words for the same thing. But I think they, they each have their own nuance, where it's just this continual development. Verse 37, commit thy way in the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I think another translation says, he will work, or he will do the work. As we just surrender to God. I get the picture of just casting myself into the Father's arms, like a small child, some of you young parents have toddlers. I don't know if you've ever do it. I suppose some of you do sometimes. You put your child up on a certain position, a little bit raised, and you stand back. You stretch out your arms. Fall into my arms. I saw a dad do that one time, and I'm not necessarily recommending this to any of you, but his house had a front porch, and he'd put his son up onto the porch roof. And that particular porch roof, the, the land sloped away the farther you go. He'd put him up to low end, and then he'd walk along that porch, got farther and farther away from the edge. His son would walk along the edge until they got to the far edge. Dad would reach up his arms. His boy would put out his arms and just fall forward into the arms of his father. This morning... God is waiting with his arms outstretched. And when that child falls into the arms of his father, what happens next? The father grasps him, puts his arms around him, and just gathers him up against his chest. That's what I see in Psalm 37. We trust, we delight, we commit, verse 7 Rest in the Lord. God is waiting for us to fall into his arms so that he can wrap his arms around us, comfort us, and give us the rest. Are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to surrender? Commit yourself totally to him. Maybe the hardest thing you've ever done. But I believe... I truly believe that if you want to know 
what God wants you to do with your life, if you're seeking for, for his will, for your life, I truly believe that if you fall into his arms, God will not ignore that kind of seriousness, and he will respond. So that is just the first part of this message. The first part of discerning God's will is tuning into him through spending time with him, tuning out the distractions, waiting on him, falling into his arms and surrender. And I think the more I tune in, the easier it will be to understand his voice and hear what he has to say. Part two comes after we are tuned in. After we are tuned in, then we start receiving the signals. And that's what I'd like to enlarge on in the next message. Receiving the signals, understanding what God may be saying to us, and understanding how we can interpret that in our lives. I invite you to kneel for prayer. Father, I thank you today that you care about us. Thank you that we are your children. Thank you that you have desires for our lives. You have a purpose for each one of us, and you have a plan for each one of us. And Lord, we recognize that that plan and purpose may not be the same for everyone here. And I just pray that, that we could tune our lives into you this morning and just be open to all the signals that you want to send, that we would be submitted to you, that we would be surrendered to your will, that you could speak freely. Lord, we recognize there are so many distractions. And I just pray that we could, with your help, with the help of your spirit, just tune them out and tune into you and what you have for us. Lord, may your will be done in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.